dangerous delivery towards the spot, it's in! And it's Pat Hooven, who else? Line cutting in off the right side, has another shot! Oh! Jack Boyle with another incredible goal for Shamrock Rovers! Here is Mandrew, second position, oh what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! So, five games, five goals in the first week of the League of Ireland returning. An average weight of over 72 minutes in each game for a goal. We had a storm, we had Bowes Rovers, we had a scatter of new players. We're back, Dan. We are back, back. John. Wasn't it great to be back? It was. You, you went to Pats on Friday? I did. I went to Pats, uh, Watford. I would have gone to uh, Bowes Rovers. That was obviously moved. Went along to Inchicore. Big crowd. Um, you convinced your better half to go along with brought you? Brought the girlfriend for the first and last time to League of Ireland She didn't Ireland know any of the players, but then neither did some of the Waterford players. No. To be fair. I tell so, you what, she couldn't get over the language of the audience. She couldn't. Like, God, look at these League of Ireland fans. Yeah. Boring abuse at the referee. Don't get much of that in Rackar, to no, be fair. Nor at a rugby even, game. No. No. But it was our first. Unless it's a school's rugby game. Unless it's a school, you know. To be clear, um, my dad and your dad and all that. But um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game. It was an interesting open to the season. Rennie against Rennie. Rennie up front for Pats. Rennie uh, bringing in all these lone e players for Watford and Watford getting the win. Yeah, that was probably one of the big results of the weekend. I think Watford, considering it was like you know, there's two ways of looking at it. A team with eight debutants, some of them who genuinely didn't know each other. I think he, he said, as we move on to our talking points, I think it would be one of the weekend highs. It would be like Brian Murphy's return. But the fact that I think through John O'Shea, he got two centre or two defenders in from Reading during yeah. the week. Who is, generally sometimes you might play like five aside or something and you don't know someone's name on your team. But you know, you have some some sort well of understand some sort of understanding with them. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't I mean do you stop it and break a play and go, sorry, what's what's your name again, by the yeah. way? But they managed to get through it. I made a point of this actually on Twitter. I was like, the League of Ireland has brought in a lot of loney players now. That's sort of by necessity, but the two lads of Watford had they were very, very good. I mean they were clearly good players and Rennie admitted afterwards he really didn't know much about them, but needs must he had to cobble a squad together. Um, it's been an interesting kind of um, I suppose feature of the early games, all these players and loan coming from England. Yeah, like I think that would have been one of the more interesting aspects of the opening weekend for me. Uh, is just interesting new players coming into the league. Now there's two ways of looking at it. That you know they're they're actually and, and Declan Devine made this point after the game I was at on Friday, Dundalk and Derry. That I mean, he brought in a number of players from outside, and, including a guy on loan from from Hull who did a very mm. good job on Michael Duffy, Danny Lupano. But he was saying under 23s football in England is rubbish, and that he basically didn't hold back after the game. basically that you know clubs are actively ringing Derry and other clubs you would assume to take their players to give them an opportunity. So for they're them to play. The Irish clubs rather than vice versa. Yeah, you know, we, we have someone here, we haven't had the opportunity to see them play first team football because they can't break into our team, but can you take them for a while? Now, that's good, but the flip side of that is there are still national underage, underage leagues here, and mm. it's the guys who get to under 19 level there, who maybe aren't ready for the jump, are being replaced by people coming in. So it's almost like it's like a food chain. So where did they go for games? Is the first division or, or what? Like, what? They're in a sort of a slight limbo. So that's one of the downsides of it, but I think for supporters, I think for, for other players, just rather than being the same faces on the merry-go-round, have some new players, some exotic characters coming in from different leagues, different cultures, I think it probably is needed. Um, now, Hull wouldn't be the most exotic place in the world. But have you been to Hull? I have not had the pleasure, mm. no. But uh, I gather it's back. a nice place to, to visit. Indeed. Uh, we have Shane Supple on for part two of the show. Obviously, we are on TV, we're on YouTube, and we're as ever, we're uh, on the old podcast medium. Uh, but obviously, Dan, the, the main talking point was Bows and Rovers. Um, this was one of the games that in, involved a very, very scruffy goal. There were five goals. They were all 
Four of them were well, very scruffy. Massey's wasn't too bad. But uh, Stephen Bradley obviously looking very happy after the win. And, and crucially for Rovers, they did this last season. Now, they didn't go on from this maybe later in the season, but they got a late winner in week one, which I think will be a big boost to them. Well, look, it's on our list as daily event tobacco. So mm. really, you can talk about the game all you want, but I just thought as an opening weekend highlight, it was... Pretty disappointing. Now, you know, there's that the, the, the mud-splattered celebrations from Aaron Green, but the game couldn't be televised live because of the weather. I mean, it shouldn't have been moved from Friday night in the first place. I know a lot of people were looking forward to watching that on Saturday. They couldn't. Um, you know, the, the, there was a couple of security-related incidents after the game, which sort of showed that really moving it from Friday night to Saturday afternoon didn't really make any difference mm. in terms of the, uh, I don't know, the safety or any issues arising from that. So. I don't know. Like I thought, the opening weekend trip toll was a bit flat, um, and I think this this highlight, this so-called highlight game, being moved around and shunted around, and then arguably you could even argue could have gone ahead. Um, was the idea? You, you, there's the dugouts there. There was a, there was a high winds before the game. Under 17s were they were using under the... 17 players as make weights. This was the replacement mm. dugout. Now I must say, when the game started, like it was playable. It's fine. But it got worse. But you sort of wonder if we didn't have such a congested fixture schedule coming down the line, would the authorities decided listen? If we can't show this on TV, mm. you know could we maybe just hold this one off? I mean, there's not a massive travel inconvenience aspects with it. It's not as if one team has come from Cork or come from Dundalk or whatever. You know, it's it's supporters have had short journeys to make and I think when I left home around half 12 for 2pm kickoff, nearly thinking it wouldn't have gone ahead. And, you know, the, the wind, the elements, I mean, I love those derbies. They're terrific games and I sort of feel that one was a bit of a waste. Now, it would feel more of a waste, I think, for, for Bowes. Now, they ended up with zero points out of it. And James Talbot got an injury uh, at the end when his foot mm. got stuck in the mud, basically. So, I just think if you're trying to showcase, I mean, Niall Quinn was there, all the new FAI hierarchy were there. Like, we have a certain amount of, like, high-quality uh, occasions and games in our league to showcase what we can do. Little kid and, in the Norwegian scarf to our yeah, he doesn't look too impressed there. But um we have a, like we have a high mm. caliber of games and we can't uh have people coming away from the game going, Well that was that was that wasn't very good. Jack so, Byrne by all accounts um, was the star of the show or at least by Stephen Bradley's Jack Byrne, like yeah he he tried to keep playing in the conditions to Gary O'Neill was good um Ferugia came on and did quite well I mean, even from Bowes, there was some good individual displays. I mean, Chris Twardek was, was decent for a new signing. But again, like, to analyse the game in any great depth, I mean, it was just a battle on a pitch that's probably going to be ruined now for a period of time. You were talking so. to Detzer afterwards. It was a battle that he would have Derek loved. Pender, he would have relished yeah. it. Yeah, he would have... Like, like, the early stages of, like, Saber Private Ryan, where it's just yeah. bodies and, like, everything. He would have, like, relished that sort of challenge. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, beyond that, I just... I don't know. It just, it just left a bit of a sore feeling. But... I mean, it was 1-0. We have a sort of goal famine yeah, goal as a general famine. team. I mean... It was like the old Northern Irish sports results that they yeah, would read out in after the match, except it was 1-0 nil. Nil replacing 0-0. Yeah. Um, um, it looked a dreadful game in Turner's Cross by all accounts. Um, corners you know, and mistakes. That was the team Corners of the weekend. and mistakes. Um, Finn Harps pulled the old trick out of the bag of... Uh, the right back or whoever pulls for the corner, he swings it to the back post. They've done this, they did that against Rahada last season and it's happened again against uh, Sligo. These are the results from the, the first week. Um, obviously that win for Finn Harps, just a massive start for Ollie Horgan because I, I've been saying Dan, like, I don't think Harps going to get relegated but I'm not sure who will. But that's the problem, I mean, Cork... Isn't there a lovely look to this table? There's one and nil everywhere. 
No. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely it doesn't love want, it. It doesn't actually it's scream like, entertainment when you one. see it. Do you know? Um, remember when your man used to do the the, the BBC? It was like one, no, and he would have he would have had a field here because he only had to do tone. two, like up and down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one. But I, I think you're sort of one. flailing a bit yeah. if that is yeah. your justification for what defines Five goals. a good weekend. An average weight of over 72 minutes for a goal in each game, and yeah. that was it. No a lot more. of yeah, a lot of late yeah. goals. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the Cork apparently there was some signs, some promising signs in parts of the game, but they still lost. They had so Shells. many uh, new players. I, like I, I didn't. It just looked a totally. It's different very hard to team. predict. I mean, Sligo Rovers think were disappointed. They'd be disappointed, but mm. that. Boko um, disappointed with the pitch. Yeah. Although I don't know. I spoke to people who we were, you know, chatting to people at the game who said the conditions weren't deplorable like mm. they've seen it worse um, up there so I don't know Dundalk I mean I haven't really spoke too much about Dundalk they got the job done that was actually probably a decent standard of a 1-0 game it was actually quite entertaining particularly after half time I felt there was a bit you know give and take from either side the, the game could have swung either way and they were good What do you make of Derry actually? They're decent. Mm. I think Derry, as much as they've lost Parkhouse and Junior, uh, Tim Nielsen came in, Norwegian striker, looks like he'll cause problems. What was our Nielsen rating um, for week one? Nielsen rating, yeah. uh, we go for seven. Yeah, yeah. Decky was talking like he'd, he'd found this unbelievable striker after the game. I was like, hold on, Decky, he hasn't even scored yet. Well, I mean, it's early no. days, but he, yeah. seems, he seems confident. If any part actually suggested he'd been on their radar as well. Mm. So, he was, I said, I mentioned Lupano, but even so Conor McCormick, Conor Clifford, um, good players, but I mean, Slogger was decent for Dundalk as well. And, no surprise, they're they're going to be fine. Um, Lots of chat about Cammy Smith. Yeah, he was he was he was good. I didn't think he was outstanding. I thought at times they were actually struggling to find a way to get him into the game, and you know Conor McCormick stuck pretty tight to him. And at times the dog had to just clip it long, and it wasn't necessarily like free flowing at times. But he comes with a great pedigree. He's meant to be a he's meant to be a smashing player from people who've seen him in full flow. So I would assume that will come to fruition over time. And of course, uh, the main aspect of the whole thing is that the First Division returns on Friday night after a wait of many, many months. Um, exciting times, Dan, if you're a United Go United fan. Um, it's great to be back. Only a week ago, we didn't really know what the fixtures were. Shamrock Rovers, the second, are there. Um, so the second tier Shamrock is Rovers, well, you need to think of it as an acceptable name. Shamrock Rovers, two. Shamrock Rovers, two, two. yeah. But they're not there. It looks like they are going to be in it. I think the First Division teams are going to basically play them under protest, effectively. Mm. Uh, and Longford are up first on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Drogheda, I think, are the team still in the box seat. I mean, they've been the outstanding team over the last couple of seasons in terms of performance relative to resources. Um, and I do think they've brought in a bit more experience this year, a bit more know-how, you know, Derek Prendergast, people who sort of know the terrain, and it might just be their time. You're going to, have to say it's Galway's time, I'm guessing. But... Um, yeah, it's it's just great that it's back. I suppose as somebody who would follow a first division team, it's disappointing that as much as you know the coverage is going to be down, it's still there. Is, there are a lot of very good players there, and I think the exposure just sadly isn't there, and that's what disappoints me. I think you mm. know we could even if we had like a, an online goals roundup or something like that. It, you yeah, know, there is a lot of quality there. There is good players. I mean, as I said, facilities aren't always be the, the best thing to showcase. You can say that about the Premier Division too as well. That's the only slight problem. Uh, after the break, Shane Supple, the former Bohemians keeper, is going to talk week one. Welcome back for part two now when Shelburne and Bohemians face off on the 6th of March. Shane Supple will be returning to the air sports screens and uh, he's joined us for part two. Supple, how are you keeping? Good. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of week one? We have to start with Brian Murphy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's back. He's, he's been he's been away. He's done very very little. He's probably earned decent money sitting on a bench. Probably there's no probably about it. He's, he's earned very very good money, and he came back Friday night and was like, actually, yeah, you were the best keeper in the league, and you could well still be the best keeper in the league. He was brilliant for Watford. Um, 
what was it like for you in terms of he was coming back? He replaced you at Ipswich, did he? Yeah, actually yeah. did. Yeah, when I left that time in 2009, I think uh, Roy Kane signed him. Ten uh, years ago. Kane, yeah. Nuts, he tried to get me to come back and, and join Bowes either way, but I wasn't mm. for I wasn't for coming back playing then. But I never actually saw Brian play, to be honest. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him play. I won't be down in water for now. This weekend, I'll probably go to, to Shells instead. But um, yeah, looking forward to seeing him play. And obviously, it's great for him going back to or playing against his old club where he, where he was a legend there. The great thing for Rennie, Dan, as well. Rennie's trying to cobble together a squad and he's probably like, like you don't really need the cash. Just come down and you, you can actually play a few games this year. You know? Is that a semi-impression there? No, or no, after? no. no. Really hard to say, really, like, but uh, he was basically... Well, I think he had family reasons for wanting to come yeah. back and he's from the area, which is helpful. You know, I mean, mm. that's obviously a selling point. I think there might be other clubs that would be still thinking, mm. you know, oh, God. You know, could we have sort of pushed about out there a small bit because it, it is a strange one. Like, his career arc has been unusual. It's very hard to to have a go at him for what he did because, I mean, it's very easy for us to sit here and, and sort of, like, you know, and judge it. I mean, I well, remember, he was professional. Yeah, of course. He turned up for work, he did his job. If you were called on, he played. He didn't. Yeah, like very he, much. around 10 years ago before he left, he actually did say, if I want to go back to England, I want to play uh, because he'd been away before. And then he went back over. He did play for Ipswich at a time because I actually did yeah. see him. I went over and I saw him play when Roy Keane mm. was there and he had a run for around a season or so. But he just ended up moving into this cycle around QPR and Cardiff where it is a, like a lucrative circuit for the backup keeper. And they mm. still have to, I mean, I'm sure, you know, when you're a keeper, you know, your day-to-day -day training and your rapport with your number two or your number three, like you still need them to be coming to train them with the right attitude and they have something to do. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's definitely a decision that someone takes at a particular time to say, and, uh, you know, this is too good for me to refuse, even if it doesn't necessarily mean playing. What would you have done, subsection? So it's like I'll offer you three times the money you're on, but you're not playing. I'd offer you, you know, whatever you were. I wasn't on. playing at the time. Yeah, <laughs> but you weren't on three times the money. Yeah, no, it was like I, I like for me, you know, even when I came back, certain teams playing GA or that, even playing with Dublin at the time, I wasn't playing. So after that year, I stepped away because I knew I wasn't getting in near Cluxton. Mm. So, like, I want to play games. It's a short career, but again, I'm not gonna, never going to judge anyone on that. It's each to their own, and it's you know, I wasn't in that situation where, you know, you're earning you know, serious money, so who knows, but um, I'd like to think I, I would have looked to play more so wherever level that was at, but um, again, I wouldn't uh, judge anyone on it. It was a worrying moment obviously for Bowles in the in the Rovers game that Talbot basically got badly injured, or at least he looked badly injured in the goal, and he went off the pitch of crutches, so I don't think it's quite as bad as it might have been. No, it's not, I don't think, um, a couple of weeks probably, and I suppose they're lucky enough as well, they've brought in a good backup this year, and uh, Stephen McGuinness, who's you know, very experienced as well, so um, they'll have him, he'll step in, and you know he could end up holding on to the short for a while, but yeah, it wasn't good at the time, I actually didn't realise, so as soon as the goal went in, I left the ground, so... Then just I was, went. Yeah, before it all kicked off, thank God, in the end. But um, yeah, I was talking to James later on uh, about it um, to see how bad it was. But he was getting scans and they all were clear, I think. So it's just a, a strain. What, what about the big man, uh, Aaron Green, in his ear telling him he was going to drop one? Uh, a bit of uh, history there as well, which I quite liked. Yeah, well, obviously, last year, James said a few things that probably in hindsight he, he wished he didn't say and um, gave a bit of ammunition um, to the Rovers fans and players but uh, yeah it wasn't it wasn't a great the great uh, a great day for for keeper anyway um, I was watching what you make that. with it like, it was not a great spectacle um, it was compelling watching um, but I think you know, there are certain elements of the game especially early on the referee it's getting the, the yellows out early in a derby I think just assessing the the day that's in it and the game that's in it maybe um, 
you know, around Keith Buckley in particular, his yellow card early on, it kind of just ruined his game for him because he couldn't play his normal his normal game, getting stuck in. And, and Jack Bourne, you know, ran the show for much of the, of the first half, um, and Keith just couldn't get near him um, for that reason as well. So yeah, we have Andy Lines there, obviously, Dan. He was one of the um, players who obviously had to step up to the plate, and I was I was seeing this after the game. Rovers lost a lot of big games because they because of indiscipline and their discipline was really poor two or three years ago and they've worked on that blah 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 but this was possibly a game where I'm not sure what happened with Lions because they obviously couldn't see what happened but the inexperience of maybe a player ah, to get two yellows like he got a yellow for diving early on now I was quite close to the incident it was one of those ones where I can probably see why the decision was made but there was early yellows being given I thought his momentum was probably taking him down anyway to a degree it wasn't a penalty but anyway he looks the, there like he actually he, he, he's accepting the situation yeah like he, he was second. the second one I thought was a yellow yeah. it was a foul on Graham Burke and he caught him and it was one of those ones where yeah I guess if you're on a yellow and you're a young player and you pick up a second one you'll just say it's an experience but I think it was, you know conditions a few things like he's, at, he's I mean he's a great talent Lions it's actually going to be a big year for him because he mm. had proper interest over the over the winter um didn't go away but is probably one of those that is very much going to be in the on the shopping list for clubs that are coming over he's a young right back with great overlapping ability and the potential to be a very good player I wouldn't I wouldn't be going to telling him for it like he's probably learned something from it but it wasn't you know a sort of a he let his team down sort of type team type thing you know but um like Bose I mean it's like it is still a recurring team with Bose that they are still reliant though on those younger players although their squad is deeper this year they still need they're still relying on, on young players to become more consistent across the season if they're going to challenge and I mean you mentioned it, you know, Derek Pender wasn't involved this man here has stepped away like that experienced core in the dressing room you are reliant on Bucko probably now and Rob Cornwall and these players because otherwise I mean, Danny Mandry was on the bench you know he wasn't What's deep, going on there? Actually, that, that was one the, the one thing that surprised me. I was for whatever like, reason, he wasn't I picked. Think, yeah. I don't think Danny's had a great preseason by mm. all accounts. Some of the games I've seen and that, so I think that was probably probably the reason. That's got to be mental in some shape or form. Because, well, you, know, you can look like, at young lad la and last year, you know, got a lot of plaudits. Um, last year, maybe coming in as a bit of a hangover from that from last season. So maybe, Chris Forrester didn't start for Pats either, which was another yeah, sort of talk. Chris had his own issues last year as mm. well. So like, there's a lot of quality in the league. But some of these kind of marquee players or, you know, luxury players, if you want to call them that, um, you know, there may be surplus to requirements at time for certain games and that. And, you know, obviously the conditions wouldn't. They brought Danny on late on in the game and he just came on and the Lions get sent off. So you're nearly better off taking um, Danny off the pitch then because it's a mm. totally different aspect to the game for, for Bohemians then. So it's just, yeah, picking the players in, in the game. And, and Keith obviously felt that Wardy was the right one for, for that game. You saw both teams at the weekend, Rovers and uh, Dundalk. Did you did you get any sense of where they're at versus each other this week? It's hard. I mean, like the first game of the season. One comes, of them was playing in all weather. Like, and a one couple, of, them was a couple a of years ago, just remember, a couple of years ago, the Dawkins Bray drew nil all in the opening weekend of the season. The Dawg scored a record amount of goals that season. I think Bray conceded a record amount. I actually so, backed on Dawg that night. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, they were in trouble yeah. from that point onwards. Yeah. Um, but I, so I, I'm wary of like opening day making a definitive judgement off the Can back Can I get your it. definitive judgement on week one anyway? Well, no, look, I, I think it's, it's, they are going to be the two challengers. I think the one thing that was noticeable about both games, really, so the dog, again, they were missing five players, I think, on Friday. They were still able to bring on Jordan Flores, bring on Will Patching from Man City. Um, you know, Sean Hoare was, a, was, a, was able to come on late. You know, Brian Gartner was an unused sub. And that's missing four or five players. Similarly at Rovers on Sunday, or sorry, on Saturday, mm. when they were stepping up the pressure, they were still able to bring on Ferruja, able to bring on Dylan Watts, who was a first-choice player at Bowes before. 
that you know that will tell as the as the slog as the games the, the grind builds up that when they're in trouble and even now we've got Friday Monday this weekend for example like those teams are very well equipped to manage that others will find it a bit harder to do so that's the thing as well for so Bowes have to make the trip to Watford who obviously Bowes could suddenly have quite a wobbly start to the season they've lost their first game but Watford's going to be a bit of a challenge as well on, on Friday yeah, night especially after the, the result they had on Friday night which probably weren't expecting you know mm. expecting maybe Pats to come out on top there at, at home but Watford will take you know a lot of momentum going into that game and you know it'll be a full house you'd imagine down there on on Friday so it's a difficult one for Bowes after after the, you know the result on, on Saturday and you know things may be a little bit down this week mm. after after a derby defeat which they always are so yeah it'd be a tricky one you know and that's the thing about these you know first game of the season Rovers massive momentum 93rd minute winner that can kick them on Aaron Green as well who probably didn't score as many goals last year as the chances he had that could give him because it's important because they don't really have a a main striker in Rovers I think that's one of the things that they will miss or they are missing to really you know challenge Dundalk this year again so um, it could you know give them a massive boost water for the massive boost who we expected or I expected to possibly be down around the bottom this I, year I, well. I actually now Rennie would argue they have a very small squad but there's no way they're going to get relegated with that team on Friday because they can only improve but a team I still would worry for despite the fact they won the first game is Shelburne apparently not much happening turning across Kil Kieran Kilduff by the way did you see the, the wedding celebration that was interrupted <laughs> yeah, by Kieran Kilduff yeah, unbelievable stuff so, uh, check it out on YouTube or on Twitter if you haven't but um I really fear for Shells on Friday against I the Dawkins. I think Shells though, look, Talca will be rocking now, having said yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Shells, a lot of the games last year, 1 0, 1 0 wins. Um, so they have kept clean sheets. How's your they buddy Morrow enjoying the yeah, first Yeah, he's loving yeah. it. It was great. I was speaking to him the next morning. He was delighted. It wasn't the greatest game in the world, he admitted that. But it's hard because pre season is a tricky one for um, Premier Division teams because the quality of games you're getting in pre season are not that great. You're playing first division teams more often than that. Unless you're Dundalk, you're going abroad mm. and playing like seclusion and that. But majority teams don't have a clue where they're at until and I know from playing it take, took me three to four games to get in to get my mm. eye really in. Um, and that's what's has been the case and will be the case for a lot of these teams to figure out what it's all about. A lot of new players have come in. So it's gonna take a, a couple of games to really see where teams are. I'd worry for Cork down as well. I understand that. I do take your point. There is no outstanding team that's going to like finish bottom. I still think I mean, Harps won at the weekend. They've got some good players, but they are like very part-time outfit. And I still think when you get to those that run of games, uh, when you have uh, X amount of games in like 24 days, and they have to travel, like they have long journeys and stuff, that's going to be difficult. Cork, I just don't know. Like, They've got a tell on Friday. Yeah, Cork, I mean, and then they played on Dock on Monday. Mm. So they could easily end up with zero points from three games and maybe not having played that bad in any of the matches. Um, but like, he's taken a punt on a lot of players from outside the league. Mm. You know, I saw one of them being quoted, I think it was Rayon Dillon being quoted about coming in and saying, God, the standard's a bit higher than I thought. And I think he'd previously played in something like the ninth tier in England or something. So, like, you wonder, do they know exactly all know what they're coming into. Um, now, they still had a big crowd at the weekend and, and people will stick with them to a point, but it can be pretty volatile in Cork too. Mm -hmm. And if they have a big run of games, I think he's more likely to come under pressure, Neil Fenn, than the other managers down there just purely because of the size of the club that he's in charge of. Regardless of the, the mitigating factors and budgetary issues, there will be pressure if they're down towards the bottom that maybe even Rennie and a few others might have a bit more understanding. Ollie Horgan, I think with Cork, it's probably a bit likely to be a bit of a different discussion. And just briefly, so Sligo play St. Pat's obviously, uh, Derry and Finn Harps obviously the, the big local derby uh, for round two and you'd imagine the Brandywell is going to be rocking because uh, you know, they had a decent performance against Dundalk even if they lost. 
Yeah, they, and they, they've done well against them dogs down through the, the years last season. They're a bit of a, a bogey team for them, took a good few points off them. So there again, you'll be looking at them you know, third or fourth this year. You'll be challenging for, for Europe again. So um, Decky's brought in a couple of you know, players, Parkhouse and Junior are gone. That'll be a big, they were a big force last year, you know, and as the season went on, they got a lot more comfortable in, in the team and Parkhouse started, you know, you know, scoring a lot more goals in the team. So it's hard to replace those kind of guys, but uh, no doubt Decky has done his homework and, and got a good side in. So it'll be, a, you know, a tough, a tough task for, for Finn Harps up there on Friday night, definitely. Do stay tuned on... Uh for our YouTube and uh, obviously for the podcast. But just before we do go on Aerosport 1, we are delighted to announce three live games coming up in March. Our cameras will be in Dalymount Park on Friday, March 6th for Super Soaps. He's back, bows against shells in the Dublin Derby. Following night, we'll have live coverage of Sligo Rovers against Shamrock Rovers from the showgrounds. And on Friday, March 13th, Friday the 13th, we will be at the home of champions to see Dundalk against St. Patrick's Athletic with Stephen O'Donnell returning to Oriel Park. All of those games are live on Aerosport 1. So welcome back to all the proper League of Ireland degenerates who stay tuned for the whole show, uh, the podcast, the old podcast, Dan, as it was. Yeah. It used to, it used to be a long running affair at times, an hour, an hour and ten, an hour and now 15. Now it's shorter. But if people, now it's shorter. If, if there was a particularly... Evocative subject. Well, if people wanted to visualise what it looked like when we were talking to each other, they now have the facility to see that happening. Because <laughs> mm. we didn't... You know, it was always sometimes a bit more relaxed. Come with Farah area. again. You really are looking for sponsorship. Yeah, there, yeah? it's just like, yeah. I mean, it's, nice it's a come and get me, please. It's, it's, come, and, it's come and get me, please, or a two for one deal. It's one or the other. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not sure which one it might be. It's uh, questions time. <laughs> <laughs> questions, questions from our leaders, uh, from our, from our leaders and followers. Yeah. First one is from Mervyn Feely. Uh, where do you think the goals are going to come from for Pats this season? This reminds me of uh, another Pats fan who just said, why do you always disappoint me? Yeah. Which was, um, that was a Manson song, was it? Uh, I'm not and sure. I always let you down. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a team that could, could run through a lot of lives. It's early days for St. Pat's. But it is true, though. Like, we talked about it last week. Where are the goals the, going The, the hope that exists at the start of the season. And you, like, you convince yourself that your team, whoever it might be, this is going to be a better year. And then on the opening night, you're walking away after a defeat and you're thinking, oh... Here okay, well, well, some so where are the goals going to come from? King Billy, Billy King, uh, Billy they, King. They, they love him already. Yeah. I think he was great, playing potential King to be Billy. a great nickname if ah, it goes well. Absolutely, yeah. but, but if it goes badly, <laughs> yeah. it's just good, you know. Um, um, Martin Rennie, Rennie, Rennie up top on his own struggles, um, mm. but he, he obviously he does look like he's something about him. But he struggled in the game. He's his first proper League of Ireland game. Um, other than that, I mean. They, they don't have an abundance of options. Well, Darren Markey, they lost Markey in the warm-up mm. last week. Now, I think he's a very creative player. I really like Darren Markey. Um, and, you know, again, it may well be that they're going to have to spread the goals around rather than rely on this mm. figure. Now, they were, I think they're obviously hoping that Rennie was going to sort of take flight and, and you know, adapt to the league. But it's, it's very hard, you know, on the basis of one game, you don't think you can make a... He lacks a yard. He definitely lacks pace. Uh, that's fairly obvious. But he does look like an intelligent player and it's going to be difficult for him. The one the one player who really impressed me was Luke McNally at the back for a pass. I mm. just thought he was absolutely cruised through the game. Um, he's only, what, 19 maybe? I think he's turning 20. But 20. I, like, I, yeah, I, I was looking last week at sort of young players to watch in the mm. league and that name came up in a couple of places. I mean, Tim Clancy, who had him at Drada last year, pretty much thinks he's going to be the best player in the country. Mm. Um, um, or the best prospect in the country, I think, by the end of this year, which is a big boast. He's a versatile defender. He can score. He scored a hat trick in a game last year from he defense did against for Cabo. Maybe yeah. just stick him up top, Gary Doherty. They're going to do that. He, he, he will be. He's so tall. He's going to be. Um, 
he's definitely going to be a contender for goals. Uh, Pats, would you fear for them goals-wise? Possibly. There's one man there you haven't mentioned. Obviously, he didn't start the other night, but he knows the league inside out and can score can score a goal. Chris Forrester, mm. if they can get him right, you know, there's, there's definitely goals there. But um, he, did, he did a great shot when he came on. I was surprised he didn't start, but... I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what's got happened mm. in pre-season. You say, you know, with, with teams and how pre-season has gone for certain players. So, Stevie's obviously picked what he felt was the best 11 going out there. But yeah, it'll be interesting for Pats. I thought they'd be a lot, a lot more changed than what they were looking at the start in 11. You know, when Stevie went in there, I think he, he cleaned out a few. But he brought Brendan Clark back in, who would kind of be ostracised, I thought. And he started the game and a few other familiar names around there that I thought maybe were goalkeepers you didn't stick together aren't they well fair play to Brendan Clark he could have hopped ship and he said listen I'm going to just put my head down and then he ends up starting I suppose a bit of maturity there as well from Brendan he's an experienced you know keeper and and professional so um, he wouldn't have thrown his dummy out of the too much I don't think yeah no it is a credit to him and as I said sometimes maybe like it's it's natural that a manager wants to like move players on as part of a process but maybe then you get into pre-season you realise actually this person is still a massive asset. The one thing I would say about Pats is quite interesting over the off-season that they have tied down some good 16, 17-year-olds yes. onto full-time deals. Ben McCormack, Dara Burns, um, and their names that I think are going to come on the radar. Uh, I would have thought it would be later in the season, maybe next season, but you never know if things are sort of... Uh, you know, they need a bit of a boost. They might be, they might be fast tracked. Ben McCormick, in particular, mm. was excellent for the Irish under 17s last year. I think he was out of his age group then, so he's a, yeah, he's a name to, to remember for sure. Here's one from Marmalades. Uh, who do you reckon will be the best new foreign import into league in 2020? Well, there have been quite a few, Dan. Probably more than I can ever remember. A lot of them are actually not signed, just on loan. But it's very hard to know to say who's going to be the best at this point. Um, I mean. This Serbian guy that Dundalk have signed, Stefan Kolovic, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, purely because it's a very different kind of signing. I mean, they've paid a transfer fee to a club from Serbia to bring in a player, um, which is unusual. It's normally, you know, a free agent or some, someone who's sort of uh, sent, you know, their agent has sent a load of YouTube videos or whatever and, and hoping to get picked up. So, I mean, Vinnie Park did go out there to watch him and, and other players. So, you'd imagine, you know, you'd expect him to be pretty decent. Um, mm. But then, yeah, a couple of the loanees, the Derry lads, I mean, Tim Nielsen, I mentioned the Derry lads. I know he's, he was, uh, again, I mentioned him earlier on, he's not new to the league. In fact, he was at Millwall, but Tordek for Bowes, I thought, was decent last yeah, week. Yeah, I was really impressed with him. I saw, obviously, he saw him a bit yeah. last year with Sligo, but... He's one of the weirdest him. accents I've ever heard. Like, he's, he's, yeah. he sounds vaguely Northern Irish, but he's Canadian, but he's been all over Europe. And <laughs> but he was, in, he was in Millwall as well yes. for a period of time. That was, uh, so the little-known Canadian-Millwall crossover, <laughs> yeah. you know. He, uh, but, he's pace, anyway. He does, and he put himself about the other night, or the other day, um, against Rovers with the tackles he put in and he was the, really the one that was driving you know, the game forward and, and bows forward at the time and then the sending off obviously changed things as well but I was really impressed with him and um, the other day and he'll be hopefully a big player for them this season. Yeah, yeah. I think Alan Reynolds really likes Ali Coote at Waterford mm. he's the midfielder who's on loan I think he's Scottish um, and he was he was decent as well and as I mentioned Camby Smith earlier on too you know. So it will be interesting though he said there's a lot of foreign players in the league this year Cork in particular brought a lot in it'll be interesting to see how they gel because not, it is more often than not, a lot of them haven't taken to the league too yeah. well. Um, you might get the odd one or two that have come in, but I don't know if to bring in a, a whole cohort of players for the one team and not understanding or knowing what the league is about, maybe not played a whole lot of first-team football. But Neil, Neil I, I'd be worried is, about that for Cork. Neil Fenn isn't a proven manager, to my mind. He's Neil Fenn has essentially managed um, at Longford Town. 
Uh, they didn't get promoted. Now, they did fine, but Neil Fenn is an unproven manager. So this is going to be a challenge for him. Well, there's a lot of unproven managers in the league. Mm. E. Morris, Stevie O'Donnell, you know, so it's a, it's a big year for them. They're guys. even less proven. But, it, but it's yeah, a different yeah. dynamic in a dressing room. I, I again, was working on a piece this week about Derry that they've signed a guy called Musa Bakioko, who's basically from the Ivory Coast, last played in Armenia, and basically he's, he's more French-speaking than English-speaking now. turns out Danny Lucano... <laughs> I'm not sure either helps in yeah, Derry, but... Yeah, well, there's, there's Derry English. So just watch the box set of Derry girls just to get up to speed. But, um, that, that, maybe could do but, that, uh, But Danny... But Danny Lupano, the guy from Hull, I mentioned earlier, who's on loan, he actually grew up in Belgium. So it's actually two French-speaking lads who've become apparently mm. quite good pals that are living a, in a house in Derry together. Healthy, now, it's yeah. unusual, but I'd say, I don't know, you probably didn't experience so much of it at Bowes, but... I think sometimes you've spoken about like the the atmosphere in the League of Ireland dressing room that you liked at Bowes. It was almost mm. like a club, mm. like a GA club mentality. Naturally, it's going to be different if you're bringing in people from different yeah. nationalities and backgrounds and who are only here for six months. So it's a challenge for the managers, I think, to, and the players to actually integrate them all in and create mm. in a short space Especially of time. Especially in certain clubs, you know, the regional mm. clubs in particular. I think Derry as well, there's a certain culture maybe up there that maybe not everyone can buy into or, or enjoys. And, and, typically down in Cork as well. There's a certain... Cork tend to do well when they have more Cork players in the team. Mm. How are they, those players going to take to the fans and the stick? Maybe that'll come with it if things are not yeah. happening for them. So, I, um, it's, a, it, it's a big season as well for Andrea Wright, the Bowes player, who I quite liked last season, the bit I saw of him, but uh, Bowes need somebody other than Dinny, obviously, scoring yeah, goals. Dinny, you're going to be missing Dinny more often than that for a chunk of a season. Over mm. the last couple of years, it's happened. and you know, Andrea stepped up last year, probably didn't get you know enough goals. So it's, it'll be interesting to see where the goals will come from if, if Dinny's not available, you know, with Danny Mandrew not, not starting the other day. Um, can tw Chris Twardick, you know, chip in with a few goals and there's a couple of other younger players there maybe um, that, that can step up. But it's, yeah, it's, it's probably a worry as well for Keith that Dinny again is, is struggling with injury so early in the season. Definitely, yeah. This one is Cork City related from Killian Welton. What do Cork City need to do to get back to the early 2017 Cork City? Bring back Shani McGuire. Yeah. Well, like bring back about ten players anyway. So kind of time machine is the answer yeah, there, which is time not something machine. we can really manage. Um, no, that one. It's a rebuilding yeah. phase for them, as we, we talked about it before. Like it's such a massive club. Still the biggest crowd last week. Um, That's not going to last, so. No, no, no. I know mm. it won't. But I'm like there is obviously that sort of large sort of passive support or latent support that's there, and that's just my slight fear about the thing that. You know, preaching understanding that this is a transition. Like if Cork are down in seventh, eighth, ninth, and it might be perfectly reasonable that they're in that position because of where the club is at. But I just think that it's natural there'll be more impatience there. And there's obviously been talk about the Preston situation. They had to sell the clauses on Alan Brown and, and Sean Maguire um, for by necessity. You know, within a couple of seasons of having won a Champions League, this should you know, never have won, happened. A, won a league exactly. and getting the Champions League. This should league never money. have happened. And I'm not yeah. saying it's because it's a fan owned club or because it isn't, but this should never have happened. I mean, there shouldn't be in a situation where they went from, as much as we, I've, I've criticised John Caulfield in, in some respects in terms of the way they played, but they, the, he had them at a decent standard, a very good standard for most of it. They should, there's no way they should go from that to this no, so quickly. No, and they budgeted so, they obviously budgeted badly by putting mm. all the Champions League money into the budget. And they had too many players sign badly mm. like, and it's what's really annoying is that with Brown and Maguire they actually had good clauses there's a lot of reporting I mean, as far as I understand it's pretty solid that the Brown one was 12.5% and Sean Maguire was 15% 15, 15, 15 above the, the transfer fee they received from so like they were really good deals 
you know, that was like smart business sense. The people who were there at the time protected the club's position, is which is what we're talking about. You should be doing now with players that go. And okay, they they might they, they've they've had to do it. They, I don't think they had an option but to do this now. But that's just so bloody frustrating because it's not as if they're a team that's been in the wilderness. They've actually had arguably one of the best decades in the history mm. of uh, of football in Cork, which is pretty turbulent as it is. And yet, at the end of it, they've ended up in this in this predicament. Mm. So. Um, and again, I just I think with the amount of players they've had to bring in from outside and whatnot, I, I, I just fear it could be a tough year for them. And um, there's a lot of I think there's a degree of fan unhappiness down there, which is at odds with the whole the great fairy tale story of the fan owned club that pulled itself up from you know from the ashes really. So yeah, I think I don't see to, to answer sort of that 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 sort of query. I don't know what they can do to get back to it. I think they're just going to have to suffer through a difficult year or two and hope you know, they, they can somehow get going again. But it's, it's very hard to answer it when the Dawkin Rovers, for example, it's hard to see them coming back in the manner that Cork have, have come back. Yeah, I want to just mention uh, Bo is a fan-run club. There were reports of some of the chanting at the game on Saturday, which mm. disgusted me, quite frankly. Um, especially in the week that was in it, Bo was on about you know, welcoming refugees and so forth to games. And Rovers doing work with the Provision Centre this week to bring uh, people to the game in Tala. But uh, I wasn't at the game, so I, I, I don't know if this were one or two yobs or what it was, but what happened? Yeah, no, I, I heard it. And it is, it's a, you know, a handful of... This of was obviously aimed at the Rovers goalkeeper. I think some of it was aimed at, yeah, at Unfortunately, yeah, it um, yeah. and it's not good enough. Like, you know, we can talk about an all Ireland league, yeah. we can talk about all this. Well, that's it, it's holding the you know, you know that whole thing back as well, and that's the, the issue it brings with it. But these people need to be banned from the club, mm. you know, they absolutely need to be banned from the club. They're not, they're not fans, you know, and any, anything like that that happens, it's hard to police it because of obviously resources and that, and, and to manage that. And you see, they're not fans, though, they, they could well be fans who think that it's acceptable to, yeah, uh, no, they're not, they are they're, fans, they, they may be fans who think it's acceptable want. to shout sectarian mm. abuse at an opposition player if he plays for Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this goes on in countries all over the world, but I don't want it to happen in Ireland. No, none of us do. I said we're mm. trying to bring the game forward now. We're in a position where, you know, things are hopefully looking up, and this is just pulling it back again. You know, everyone loves bad news, and the media outlets all that. It's all out there, and it's all the bad, the bad stories and what happened. You know, the incidents after the game outside the ground, and that as well. So we don't need that negativity around the place. You know, it's, it's week one, and we're talking about this kind of stuff, you know, and it's not what we want to be talking about, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but like it did happen, it shouldn't happen. And, you know, it needs to be dealt with and the, the clubs need to do to do more on that. In a, in a more positive spin on things, just the games on Friday night, I have to say, really looking forward to just good crowds, I think, at these games coming up. I think, will be. I think up, actually, um, I think, I think... Derry playing Harps, obviously, will get a good crowd. Derry Harps, I think the Shells and Dock event, I think... It could be a really good crowd in Talca. I'd love to be in Talca for that game. And Tala, yeah, but yeah. You're, you're too busy I, but, working with the horses. <laughs> you know, a big, big away You're too much of a mercenary figure, well, you know? This is it. But a big, a big crowd in Talca Park. Dundalk as well, it's a fairly handy trip yeah. down the M1. But there'll be a big crowd in Tala, I think, and even Sligo St. I think we first. Has the potential and Waterford and Waterford, I must say, did a really good, um, they've made a really good gesture in terms of their shirt sponsor this year. That they paired up, paired up or raising the issue of cardiac care yeah. in Waterford, which is a very sensitive issue down there because there's, there's there's just not enough provision there for it to deal with it at emergency. So I think that goodwill gesture will, will probably bring some people out there too. So I think it has the potential to be a much better week two than week one, and hopefully with a few more goals. We should mention the first division as well. The, yeah, the, hopefully the the, the, the the teams there can sort of kick off on a positive note and find that uh, having Shamrock 
Shamrock Rovers two in their division isn't really no, an obstacle to anything. No, nobody it's, cares it's, anymore. I mean, it's just let, people let's get are on indifferent with it. to that. I think it's yeah. more a case of those first division clubs need to create a better environment themselves rather than worrying too much about um, you know who the away side is. Who do you fancy to win the first division? Uh, I just think that Drada have a you know they have a very good management team there who have managed to keep a lot of their better players and add a bit more experience and I can see the argument for Galway I can see the argument for Longford um, you know there's cases that can be constructed but I think that drugs sort of consistency I think it might be their turn. So. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I'd love to see Galway up there as well. Mm. You know, Everyone great, loves a trip to Galway. Yeah, we do, yeah. yeah. Great club, Shop Street, great spot. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see them up there. You know, it'd be great to, to have Galway challenging and potentially yeah. back in, in the Premier League. And it's, it's a nice little you know, stadium up there as well. And they're trying to do things right. Um, and all they've had their difficulties over the last couple of years. But yeah, it'd be nice to see them up challenging for a change. It's good to get Laps fans like Johnny back yeah. to Galway, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And thank you very much for listening and watching uh, week two. Really, really looking forward to the games at the weekend and obviously on Monday night. And uh, we'll be back next week on Air Sport One, uh, on YouTube, and on the podcast as ever. <laughs>